our series in the book of Galatians called Living Free this morning. And we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5. So if you've got your Bibles or your phones. And when I spoke right at the beginning of the series, I said the theme that ran through was this theme of freedom. Whenever you think about the book of Galatians, think of the word freedom. And this was the, vem- the memory verse that I gave you, chapter 5, verse 1. A nice, easy one. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And when you think about this concept of a yoke, often we're talking about oxen back in the day. And so when you imagine a yoke and then Jesus came and said, you know, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying, the yoke that I'm going to put you on, it's not there. But this is a yoke of slavery slavery right here. And if you imagine what that's like, it's just kind of this weight upon you. And he's saying, stand firm then. Do not go and put yourself under this yoke of slavery. So when we're talking about freedom, just for a moment, I don't know what you think about when you think about the word freedom. And I, and I guess it depends how I say it as much as anything. You can take my life, but you can never take my freedom. And that is a phrase that whenever anybody thinks about freedom, they think of Mel Gibson in Braveheart. Flipping love the soundtrack to that. I think it was like my second album. Top Gun was my first. Braveheart was my second and Celine Dion was my third. Um, When I met Jen, my wife, she was very non-impressed by my music collection with Pavarotti and Friends. She didn't think that was great either. And I remember when she realized that I had the Celine Dion album, she actually threw it out of the window at university. That was her first thing. She literally took Celine Dion and she threw her out of the window. I have never been allowed to touch the music since Spotify. I'm not allowed near it. So, um, but I think we could, we could say brutal, wasn't it? Throwing your album of Celine out of the, I, sometimes I have this argument with Jen. I'm like, well, a lot of people do like Celine. They just, they, they just don't admit it. Uh, I'm brave enough to, anyway, come on, James. Freedom would be a word of our time, wouldn't it? You know, the time that we're living in, people would talk about freedom. One of the most commonly used words in our language. Um, You'll have heard this. I just want to be free. I want to break free. I want to be free to be me. That would be one of the most commonly thing. I want to be free to be me. Things that would be said. Don't tell me what to do. My family, my littlest daughter, Ellie, tells my eldest daughter, daughter regularly you're not the boss of me you don't tell me what to do you're not the boss of me daddy's the boss I'm like yes yes actually God's the boss but um some people think there's a power battle going on in our house and it's true there is but the book of Galatians at its heart and heart and at its core is about a Christian's freedom When Jesus came and he started his ministry, he came announcing freedom. You know, one of the first recorded sermon where Jesus stands up in the temple and it's that moment. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to release freedom for the captives, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's this moment. Jesus started his ministry. And this is what he said. Words from Isaiah 61. He's standing up. He's saying, this is what I'm about. I am here to bring freedom to humanity. Paul, the man who wrote the book of Galatians, his ministry was all about freedom. There's a guy called F.F. Bruce, who's a New Testament scholar, and he summarized the Apostle Paul's work in, in this book. And I think it's such a great title. He said, Paul, apostle of the heart set free. 
Isn't that beautiful? Paul, apostle of the heart set free. That's how he summarized him. But let's be honest for a moment. Freedom is a tricky concept. It's a very easy word to say. And we could all sit there and be like, oh, freedom, that sounds great. But when you delve into it a little bit more, how does it work? How does freedom work? How do we live free lives and not descend into total anarchy? Let me put it another way. We love freedom, but how do we practice and live in freedom and not self-destruct? Imagine that you're a teenager for a moment. Some of you, that would be very easy. Others, it's a while ago. But imagine that you're a teenager and you have your first week at university. And some of you are thinking about it. You're like, yeah, I remember that. You can be whoever you want to be. When you go to university, there's that moment where you leave behind the world that you're from, the relationships that you've had, your parents, you go off into a new environment. You get to reinvent yourself. You get to start again. You get in that moment to be whoever you want to be. You're free from your parents at last, free from the friends that knew you. However, freedom can be overwhelming and actions have consequences. What about a different one? You find yourself alone in a strange city for a week and you're totally anonymous. What do you do with your time? Who are you and what do you do when no one is looking? When nobody knows, what is it that you do? How do you handle your freedom? Maybe you're retired with tons of free time. How do you spend it? What do you invest in? So today I want to look at the title, Freedom for What Purpose? Freedom for What Purpose? So we're going to be in Galatians 5, as I mentioned, and we're going to be looking uh, 1 down through to 6 and then 13 and 15. So I'm just going to read it. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he's obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And then down into verse 13 to 15, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So Paul runs through, throughout the book of Galatians, Paul runs through a list of things that we're free from. So what are some of those things? You know, we started back in Galatians 1 and he talks about you're free from this present evil age. It's quite a way of looking at things, isn't it? It's like this present evil age. He's like, you're free of that, verses 3 and 4, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. So that's something that we're free from. Galatians 2 verse 3, we're free from having to follow the Old Testament customs, the Jewish customs, circumcision, all of those things. Galatians 2, 3, yet not even Titus who was with me was compelled to be circumcised even though he was a Greek. So you're free from those things. What else? Galatians 3 verse 13, we're free from the curse of the law. In other words, we're free from God's judgment on us for breaking his law. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. 
for it's written, cursed is everyone who's hung on a pole. So Jesus became our substitute. Again, another way that we're freed. We're free from supervision and tyranny of the law. Galatians 3, 24 to 25. So the law was put in charge of us until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. Again, another thing that we're free from. Moving forward into Galatians 3, 28 and 29, we're, we're free from having distinctions made in the church based on our race, our ethnic background, our gender or our economic situation. This is one of the famous verses from Galatians. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We're free. Again, so all of these things are being broken down in Jesus. Galatians 4 verse 8, formerly when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who are by nature are not gods. We're free from idols. And then finally, one last one. I'm trying to make my point. We're free from a lot of different things. You're like, yes, James, I'm getting it. Galatians 2.20, which I spoke about in the first week, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the words of the great Bible teacher, John Stott, we are freed from our puny little selves. That's what I spoke about in the first week. What are we free from? Us. <laughs> it's a great thing to be free of. Now, we might classify all of these things that I've talked about under this title, things that we are free from. Because Jesus has come, we're released from fearing the future, from condemnation when we stand before God. One day, I talked about this a number of months ago, we're going to stand before the Lord. Each of us will give an account for our lives. And we, we're set free from that. We're set free from yesterday's mistakes and yesterday's omissions. So there's two days that we're free from. We're free from yesterday and we're free from tomorrow. Isn't that amazing? I love that. Two days we're free, yesterday and tomorrow. But the modern world, coming back to the way that the world thinks about freedom, defines freedom as freedom from restraint. It's freedom from restraint. The world is talking about freedom without Jesus, freedom without Christ. Or to put it more simply, the modern world defines freedom as freedom to do whatever I want to do. That's what freedom looks like. When the world is talking about freedom, what is it talking about? Freedom to do whatever I want to do. It is the attitude of the typical teenager or young adult. I'm 18 and I can do whatever I want. It's the, it's the student going off to university. I am free. You cannot tell me what to do. We're free from outside restraints, from any outside inhibition. Anyone telling us what to do, so long as we're not breaking the law. That would basically be what we talk about. The world is talking about when it's talking about freedom. Now, what are the problems with defining freedom only in terms of negative freedom? Being free to do whatever we want to do. What are the problems with negative freedom? Let me just suggest a few problems. What if what I want is wrong or self-destructive? On what basis can anyone be challenged about any decision they make because every decision is prote protected by the absolute defense called freedom. So how do you ever say to someone, I don't think that what you want to do is a good idea. I think that this is a bad idea. I think dating this person could be a really bad move. And I think it's going to end up hurting you. Or I think the way that you're treating your spouse is not good. On what basis could we challenge someone else or be challenged if we simply assert freedom? At every moment, it's like, I'm free to do whatever I want. 
Freedom in the contemporary world is the ultimate trump card that keeps everyone from being challenged or critiqued or confronted about anything we do or any decision we make. Can you see that? Hey, it's my body. I'll do whatever I want to. It's your job to support me if you're my friend. It's my life. If I want to marry this person, if I want to quit my job, if I want to walk away from my children, whatever it is, it's my life. I can do. It's my free choice. So I can do things that are against what God says is good for us. And you have no right to challenge me. Have you ever tried to challenge someone about a decision who didn't reject your argument? They rejected your rights to challenge them at all. So it's not even about the argument. It's just I'm free. I'm free. You, you, there's nothing that can be challenged. It's the trump card. Bang. Stick it up. Freedom. You're not allowed to challenge me. You're not allowed to talk to me about anything. So what are the problems with negative freedom? Simply defining freedom as freedom from any restraint and freedom to do whatever I want. What if what I want conflicts with what others want in talking about freedom? Pretty much all of us have lived in a shared house at some point. I'm still in one. I thought I'd get married and it wouldn't be the case, but I'm still in a shared house, unfortunately for Jen. I lived in a student house with seven lads. Seemed like a brilliant idea. At the time, it was like, wow, this is going to be amazing. And then we had something called the washing up zone. And which was absolutely disgusting. We reached the point actually when I was living with four lads where it was so bad that we got some of that tape and we taped the kitchen off. <laughs> For 10 days, we didn't go in the kitchen. We just taped it off because we'd used every single utensil in there and there was like this, well, I'm not going to break. I'm not doing the washing up. It got bad. It got even worse with toilet roll. I'm not buying any toilet roll. So it got down to the newspaper. But, you know... Tough, tough times. And <laughs> just wait till you leave the house. But did, did any of us want to actually live like that? I'm not sure. We had absolute freedom on the one hand and a completely miserable living environment on the other. It was awful. It's like, I'm free. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to do any jobs. I don't have to do any washing up. This is going to be utopia. It was awful. And I sit there actually getting slight palpitations about it as well. And the problem with negative freedom is what if what you want conflicts with what other people want? And finally, what if what I want will actually destroy my freedom? So look at what the Apostle Paul says in verse 13. And this is kind of the key verse that we're going to be in today. Just in finishing, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to, indul in, to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Now, Paul is all for freedom. Galatians is all about freedom, but he's also concerned about preserving freedom. You see, there is only one absolutely free being in the universe, and that is God. There is ultimately only one being who is free to do what he wants, and that is God. Psalm 115 verse 3 says, our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. All the rest of us are limited and contingent, dependent on a million different things that we can't control, like the weather, the economy, our health, other people's choices, and God's will. So all of those things we don't get to control. And when we try to exercise the unrestrained freedom as God as cre creatures, we end up destroying ourselves. So coming back to that verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge 
the sinful nature. Now, the NIV translation uses this word, the sinful nature, which is quite an interesting translation. Older versions would use the word, the flesh. <laughs> You're like, whoa, the flesh. When basically what it's saying is when we do just what we want, we're giving ground in our lives to the flesh. It's almost like the unrestrained soul. It's the flesh. It's like the carnal nature. Um, there's a great quote by William Barclay, who's an old Bible scholar. Please uh, forgive the lack of gender inclusiveness in this phrase because it's fairly male. Um, but I think what he's saying is pretty good. He says, the flesh is what man has made himself in contrast with man as God made him. So there's two things. God made us to be a certain way, and it's man without God. The flesh is man as he has allowed himself to become, in contrast to man as God meant him to be. The flesh stands for the total effect upon man of his own sin, and of the sins of his fathers, and of the sin of all men who've gone before him. The flesh is human nature as it has become through sin. The flesh stands for human nature, weakened, vitiated, and tainted by sin. The flesh is man as he is apart from Jesus Christ and his spirit. So it's just saying, without God, that's what the flesh is. So here is the problem. The problem is that the more you indulge yourself and go after everything that your heart wants without restraint, without regard to God or the best interests of others, the more you can find yourself taken captive by your own desires. So to put it all in a nutshell, when you go a whole hog after freedom, freedom, just think this through, freedom to eat whatever you want, the freedom to drink whatever you want, the freedom to sleep with whomever you want, the freedom to ingest whatever drugs you want, the freedom to work as many hours as you want, the freedom to shop as much as you want, or play computer games as much as you want, you are going to find yourself as an addict. That's where it leads. So we talk about this freedom. It's like, I just want to be free to be on my PlayStation all day, every day. And it's like, that's not freedom you will find yourself utterly bound if that's the case. Only God can handle unrestrained freedom. Only God. The rest of us, we end up as slaves taken captive. That's what it's talking about. It's talking about this yoke of slavery and it's saying in your freedom, don't go to this extent where you throw off all restraint. That's crazy. You were not meant to live like that. So we need a fuller definition of freedom than being free to do whatever I want or whatever my heart sets itself on because that's the world's definition. That is not our definition. In other words, we need something more than negative freedom, freedom from, we need positive freedom. And here is where Paul helps us so much. He says we need to ask the question, what are we set free for? So we start with the question, what are we set free from? And then the next question is, what are we set free for? Freedom for what purpose? What's the purpose of freedom? This is positive freedom. And it goes back to this verse in 13 and 14. Do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature or the flesh, which I've talked about. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So let me just give you a picture here. You've got a fish in one of those old glass. Who's, who's got a fish here? Just one. Just one. Great pets. Um, three second memories. So let's just call this fish Dory, for instance. <laughs> or Nemo. N Nemo. Okay. We're going to go. Any Nemo? Any? No. Okay. So the, the fish says to themselves, 
I know I want to be free, free from the constraints of this bowl, free to travel where I want, when I want, and how I want. And so one day, the fish decides to leap out of the bowl. It's, a, it's an amazing leap. Think about it for a moment. Leap straight out of the bowl, ends up on the living room floor, flapping around, gasping for air, and dies. It's a sad story. I didn't say it was going to be a happy one. <laughs> there is an environment in which fish live and flourish. That environment is water. There is likewise an environment in which freedom lives and flourishes. In what environment does freedom flourish? Freedom flourishes in a relationship with God. You cannot divorce the two. Freedom is not a gift that we can take from God and say, thank you, I'll see you later, and I will do with this gift of freedom whatever I please. We are most free when we're in connection with and close touch with God. That's what it's saying freedom looks like. I don't know about you, I've, I've had, do you know what, I was just reflecting with Jen last night before I went to bed, and I was like, I've had one of those months where you're like, oh, I've just been a bit full on, and you're like, oh, I feel exhausted. And... Um, it reached about half eight last night. Just like, should we go to bed? I was like, that's the best idea in history. Half eight, bed, yeah. That sounds amazing. And then I was just, I was, I was reading a book by a guy called Coma about the unhurried life and he's talking about God and how to, I was like, man, I'm reading a book about spending time with God. This is ridiculous. I just need to spend some time with God. What an idiot. And so it was about nine o'clock. I was like, Jen, I'm just going to go and have a quiet time. <laughs> like, and so I just went and had an hour with the Lord just before I went to sleep. And I, I don't do that every night. I probably should, but I don't. And do you know what? Afterwards, I just came out and I was like, I just feel free. I have spent the last month not feeling free. Like I have felt, I was writing in my journal and I was just journaling. I was like, what kind of words describe your heart? It's like heavy, <laughs> unsettled, you know, all of these things. And I was like, and I spent, I went and spent with the Lord, an hour with the Lord last night. I woke up this morning and I felt utterly different i just feel completely different so my point is you can't divorce freedom from the lord it's done in relationship with god this is the message of the whole bible whenever god's people leave relationship with god in quest for freedom and they go i don't care what god says i'm going to date who i want i don't care what god says i'm going to have an affair i don't care what god says i'm going to work seven days a week God says, don't do that. I don't care what God says. I'm going to look at pornography if I want. I don't care what God says about this dream that I'm chasing, even when I don't think it's anything to do with him. I don't care what God says. Whenever we turn our backs on God and leap for freedom like that fish, we find ourselves on the floor gasping and dying. That's what it feels like. We've jumped out of the place where we flourish. Freedom flourishes in relationship with God. Have you ever found yourself in that position? you're like, I just feel like I'm gasping. It's like we've leapt for freedom and ended up on the floor. So freedom flourishes in a relationship with God and freedom flourishes in an atmosphere of love. Mother Teresa once said this, even the rich are hungry for love, for being cared for, for being wanted, for having someone to call their own. And she went on to say, being unwanted, unloved, uncared for, Forgotten by everybody, I think that is a much greater hunger, a much greater poverty than the person who has nothing to eat. Being unloved. A Roman Catholic poet said, not when I breathe, but when I love, I live. Not when I breathe, but when I love, I live. The environment in which human beings flourish is an environment of love. 
And the environment in which freedom flourishes is an environment of love. Because as I love other people and as I receive love, I become more of the person God intended me to be. I'm free for God's purpose. So just coming back, Galatians 5.13, rather serve one another humbly in love. And just coming back into the passage earlier in verse 6, it says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Saying out of all of these things, the only thing that really makes sense is it's through love. In a letter devoted to freedom, this word serve, which literally means to be enslaved to one another, pulls us up short. So we talk about freedom. So we're walking down the path like dogs. We're free and suddenly we've got jerked back by this word serve. It's like I'm completely free and then God says serve. Like what? In the first century Greco-Roman world that Paul was writing to, this word serve would have been a slap in the face because if the Greeks believed anything, it was that a free man was the very opposite of a slave. So you've got these two things together, freedom and slavery, and they seem utterly incompatible, but Paul brings them together. He says that you are entirely free before God. You have free access to the throne of God, freedom to express all that's on your heart to God. You are free from guilt. You are free from the powers. You are free from being controlled by idols. You are free from the burden of the law. You are free from the ceremonies of the Old Testament. You are free from your puny little selves. Now you are free to practically love another person. That's what your freedom looks like. That's what's been bought. You have a freedom for a purpose. Love is not just a feeling. It is incredibly practical. It involves serving others and promoting the well-being of someone other than ourselves. It is giving. When we understand what the very heartbeat of God is, it's to give. That's the expression. So what happens when we spend time with God? God pours his heart in. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but the Christ that lives in me. What happens in that moment is... Yes, I am absolutely free to all of those things, but I have freedom for a purpose. I have freedom for a reason. My freedom is to love deeply. To love your neighbor as yourself. It goes on to say, what does this freedom look like? How does it work itself out? Love is the guiding principle to our freedom. It is the opposite of selfish. So when we're talking about freedom as a Christian, a Christian's freedom, we are talking not about what the world would define as freedom. Freedom, in the world's eyes, is unrestrained. It's to do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. A Christian's freedom is to love deeply, to love one another. So we first serve God. We serve our families. We serve our neighbors. We serve in our workplaces. We serve in our church. And ultimately, we love because he first loved us. That's where it comes but He pours in his love and then we have the amazing chance to be able to serve others. So why don't we stand?